0: Amen. We are talking about reclaiming church getting back to what church really should be about, as if you were to, it's very popular to take a old wood and reclaim it. You know, It's a thing on Pinterest and Etsy and all these places. Everybody's about reclaiming things and getting them back to the vintage thing. Yeah, people are pointing. Uh, and, and that's the thing. And I what about reclaiming church? Getting back to what authentic, vibrant, vintage church used to be if you look in the book of Acts, chapters, uh, and especially starting off in chapter 2, what happened to these people? Well, Paul writes this Uh, Epistle to the Corinthian church, and we are looking in this uh, letter to these people to see what it was really like to be the church in the first century. And so I want to talk to you this morning about spiritual speech and what does it mean to be a prophetic people. So I've titled this message, Spirit Speak. Spirit Speak. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in one of these conversations, if you have a friend. It's a very talkative person. Nobody point fingers. But you have a talkative person, and sometimes you're in these conversations, you're just like, you have something you want to say, and you know what I'm talking about, where you're trying to like jump in, and you're like, oh, that's not it. That's not the right spot. And then you jump in, you try to jump in again, and it's, you're so eager to say something. And perhaps the best way I can explain this, for those of you who are married, if you're in an argument, and I had to learn this early on in uh, marriage, that you each have to take turns when you argue, uh, it's called Fighting Fair, right? And so it wasn't real, I wasn't really good at it, so as, as we were, uh, yes, every healthy couple argues, by the way, okay, so uh, as Beth and I would begin to dialogue, right, let's say that, dialogue healthily, right? And so you were like, oh, that's a good point, point," and you want to jump in there and you were just like, I'm going to say that, and you're like, no, I'm going to hold it back, and I'm going to wait my turn, come on, somebody, uh, but you were so eager, like, man, I, gotta get, I probably would have said that at that point, it would, nobody has a clue what I'm talking about, y'all are all perfect, right? But you you want to eagerly jump in there to give your side of the opinion or the point, and you're like, if you wait, you might lose it, right? If you wait, you got to go back around to it. It's not as emphatic. And sometimes we can be eager to speak, or maybe someone's ever done something to your kids or whatever, and you're like, just wait till I give them a piece of my mind, right? You're so eager to tell them something godly, right? Uh, <laughs> You know, the Bible says in James that that tongue, it is like that wildfire. He says it's like this little flame that can set a whole forest ablaze. In fact, he says it's unruly, it's evil, and no one can tame it. Not anybody. Not how much you try to, your tongue is eager to speak, and often not eager to speak the right things. But, you know, in the Bible, David, I look at David's life. This guy wrote all kinds of music and psalms, all kinds of psalms, all kinds of great poetry, and you know, before he died, he wrote this in 2 Samuel 23. He said, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. The Spirit of the Lord was speaking through me, David said before he died. The last thing, one of the last things he said when he died, before he died, that the Spirit of the Lord was speaking through me and his word was on my tongue. Can you think about that just for a minute? What would it be like for the Lord to speak through you And his word to be on your tongue. We can be known by a lot of things, but what would it be to be known as a person who speaks by the Lord, speaks through, that the Lord speaks through them. And Ephesians chapter four says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is is good for edification. According to the need of the moment, so it'll be gracious to those who hear you. And he says, verse thirty, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. What kind of words are eager to come out of your mouth? That's a good question. What kind of words are are eager, are right there, ready to come out of your mouth. You know, you have words that come out of your mouth that can build up somebody, and they can easily tear down someone. Just get on Facebook for a little while, right? There are words that can easily build up somebody or tear them down. And what kind of words are right there at the brim, just ready to boil over when you speak? Is it God words, or is it your words? Is it something that David, like David said, the Lord was speaking through me and his word was on my tongue. What's eager to come out? Well, when we speak, do we please the Lord or do we grieve? He says, don't grieve the spirit of God when those unwholesome things come out of your mouth. Do we grieve the Lord? Are we building up things? You know, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And then he chose 120 followers, 120 people who made it this upper room uh, and acts and it says, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out and what? Spoke. They spoke the word of God with boldness and many signs confirmed. And God was doing something in their, in their gatherings. And every time they gathered, the Spirit of the Lord would speak. There was a moment where they, uh, the Spirit spoke and chose Barnabas and Paul. There's another moment where the Spirit spoke and told Peter certain things. And every time you see them gather together, the Holy Spirit began to speak. He was on their tongue. Everything they did, they began to have prophetic speech. Peter, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks. Uh, and 3,000 people get saved and baptized and added to the church because the Holy Spirit spoke through Peter. And as they gathered, man, uh, signs begin to happen. Wonders begin to happen. And people begin to prophesy. There was many uh, evidences of God's Spirit every time they uh, met together. And the Bible even says that sometimes conviction came on people. And the inner parts of their heart were revealed and they believed that God was in the midst of these people because something supernatural was happening. It wasn't a denominational thing. It wasn't a doctrinal thing. It was a Holy Spirit thing. It was a church that had the manifestation of God's spirit in the middle of them. And when unbelievers showed up and they said these were normal people, these were fishermen people, these were just tax collector people, some of these people were prostitutes, some of these people are women and men and slaves and free, this guy I just know, he was my neighbor. And as they began to meet together, God was evident in their gatherings. The spirit was speaking. You know, I look at the American church today, and I've been all over, and I've been in multiple countries, and I've grown up in this thing. Just to be quite honest, I feel like the Spirit is speaking less and less in many of our churches. In fact, we often neglect spiritual gifts, and the American church is now going after many things. We've tried to build, build our churches on naturally programmed invitations, we have all kinds of fun events. We have some of the best music. We have the most educated, doctrinalized pastors in the world with master's degrees and PhDs. Uh, we have all the creative speaking abilities. We have lights and sounds and media. We have creative ministries. Even, and our church is one of those. Creative ministries, even today, fun activities for our kids and creative ideas to engage them. And we have all kinds of trinkets and props and illustrations and puppets and lights and sound and media. And all these things. But Jesus said, I will build my church. And Jesus chose to build it through a spirit-filled people. He did not choose to say, go out there and do these denominational things or do these creative ideas or do these man-made strategies. He said, be filled with the Holy Spirit and go out and speak my word. Go out and tell the world. And what built the early church was not just tithing and attendance, but it was supernatural faith, it was healing, it was miracles, it was words of knowledge, and it was prophetic speech. And the Holy Spirit began to speak through these early followers. And every time they gathered, the Spirit spoke. So my question is, what kind of speech is coming out of our life? What are we eager to speak? When we are angry, when we're upset, we're in the moment, what is bubbling up, ready to speak? Are we have this, just like we're having an argument with someone, and we're eager to just let it, I want to tell it, I want to say something, and is that a God thing? Are we like that with God? Are we so full of the Spirit that anytime someone is around us, we feel like, I need to tell them something from the Lord? I have something bubbling up on the inside of me that it wants to get out and it is the voice of God for this poor person who is lost and dying and going to hell or for a poor and doubting Christian who needs encouragement or for someone who's my neighbor and God has a word for them that I believe that God is still wanting to do and build His church the same way He did it. God did not graduate down to a lesser way of building His church. He did not say, you know what, I think, let me start using man-made strategies now that we're in the 21st century. We're kind of graduated from miracles and prophecy and Holy Spirit-powered individuals. Let me, let me go to their level and start using master's degrees and cool worship teams and some lights and sound. That works better. Then my Holy Spirit power. Come on, somebody. Say, is that true? You think God did that? No, He is still wanting to see a spirit filled, empowered church. And I'm not going to preach denomination to you today. I just want to tell you the Bible. I just want to tell you what the Bible says. And I'm, my heart this morning is to be like Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3, where Eli has lost his way and his son's way, and they're in the tabernacle. that old prophet, priest, Eli, has not heard the Lord speak in so many years. And yet God has raised up a little boy, birthed by a faithful mama, Hannah. And she has devoted him to the Lord. And Samuel has dedicated himself to the Lord. And God begins to speak to that little boy. And he comes to Eli and says, I hear something speaking to me, something talking to me. And Eli said, well, it's not me. Go back. And what does he tell him to say? He says, speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. What if that was the motto of us as a Christian, uh, as, as Christians, as believers today, that we would be going throughout our life every day saying, speak, Spirit. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 through 5, and then we'll tag on verse 12. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but his spirit speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification. Everybody say edification. Edification and exhortation and consolation. And one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in a tongue, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. Verse 12, so also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. I want to give you three things this morning. Number one, pursue love. Number two, earnestly desire. And number three, seek to abound. Number one is pursue love. Pursue love. Paul is speaking to this church who's been divided in so many things, divided in men versus women, rich versus poor, slave versus free, denomination, you can name it. They just begin to get divided about everything. And one of the things they were divided in is spiritual gifts. They were divided in their worship experience together, and they began to exalt speaking in tongues as the highest form of spiritual gift. And Paul corrects them in the chapter before this, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, guys, you can speak in tongues, you can have mountain-moving faith, you can die as a martyr, but if you don't have love, you don't have anything. And he says, love is the greatest expression of our gatherings. And he says, all these gifts are equal, all every member has a gift, there's all kinds of gifts, there's a diversity of gifts given to every person in the church. So why are we exalting this one gift, Okay. And so that's what the context of this chapter. And he says, I want you, though, to pursue love, but also yet desire these gifts. You see, one of the things that we do today is we, we kind of have a denominational split in the American church, uh, worldwide even, and say, well, you know, see, see, see. Paul was really just saying, you don't need all these other things, you just need love. And that's actually not what he's saying. We can kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater like they used to say. And say, you know, all those things died with the early church. Those aren't existing today. But that's exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. That exactly, I'm not preaching denomination. I just want to look at the text. What does he say? He says, pursue love. So let's just start there. Love is the beginning root of every expression of the Christian life. He says, pursue love. They were exalting spiritual gifts. Some of those gifts were for private expression. He talks about praying in tongues versus public tongues. He says, "Uh, I want you, though, to pursue love. You can fill your meeting with a lot of speaking in tongues and all kinds of stuff, but it's distracting and dividing if you're not pursuing love. He says, I want you to go to maturity, maturity, uh, chapter 14, verse 20, everything you be done in love, chapter 16, verse 14, he says the greatest thing is love. And even Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another. The The foundation of everything we do in our church has got to be for love. If we speak in a tongue, it's for love. If we prophesy, it's for love. If I give a word of encouragement to someone, it's because I want to love them. Christians aren't always good about that. I see you doing wrong, I need to correct you. That's not love. He says pursue love. If you want to correct a person, it's got to be because you love them. Don't don't even try to correct them if you don't love them, because you have to pursue love. And I want to look at this word. He says, pursue. Pursue love. What does the word pursue mean? In the Greek, it means to hunt down and take over. You don't really think about loving that way, right? Uh, Maybe some of y'all had a dating relationship. We'll talk about it later. But pursue love. He says, I want you to hunt love down and take it over. And in fact, in the Latin, it means persecute. I want you to persecute love. What are you talking about, Paul? Persecute love, hunt it down and take it over? That's a good question. What does it mean to hunt down, to chase it, to take it over? It means to press forward, to strive to, to work towards it, to run after. You know, if I was to tell you, all right, Pastor Christian and Joe, uh, I'm going to get Miss Evelyn over here. Miss Evelyn, you're going to chase them, all right? I want you to chase both of them. How are you going to chase both of them? You can't. You have to choose one, chase one person first, then you remember play the tag, you're at, you know, when you're kids? You have to chase one person at a time. You ever try to chase two people at the same time? It don't really work so well. You chase one person, tag, and then you go chase the other person, tag. All right, unless some of y'all got skill I don't even know about. But like, you chase. You have to have a focus. And he says, "I want your primary pursuit, your focus, to chase down and capture love." What are you chasing in your life? I don't really think I've been thinking about this all week. What am, What am I chasing in my life? What is the number one pursuit of my life? I can. You can go after money. You can go after fame. You can go after reputation. We can build our whole life chasing security of financial possessions. We can go our whole life trying to please other people to live up to some standard that maybe our parents set for us. I need validation. We can chase after validation. You can chase after other people's opinions of you. You can chase after having enough money that you feel like you're going to make it through whatever economic disaster you think is about to come. You can chase health. You can chase all kinds of You can chase relationships. You can chase anything, but are you chasing after? What would it look like to chase after love? You know, when you were pursuing your spouse, perhaps in uh, your dating years, you got up, you thought about him, Write a text or uh, some of you snail mail, put it in the, you know, Uh, I want to chase after this person. I'm going to woo them. I'm going to think about them. You're daydreaming at your job. You're not being very productive because you're dreaming about her or him. Chasing after them. But in my life as a Christian, am I looking at my life and say, Lord, fill me with your love for God? Fill me with your love for people? Fill me with your love for the neighbors around me. Fill me with your love for my church. Am I consciously, you don't just chase something on accident. Everybody, Anybody have a chase on accident? You just run after somebody on accident in Walmart? That would be weird. I mean, you, don't, you chase after something on purpose. You run after something on purpose. And what, what would it look like if this week you ran after love? You're not going to do it on accident. It's going to be something intentional that happens in your Christian walk with the Lord. And he says, the greatest pursuit of your life is love. Number two, he says, but while you're doing that, I also want you to do this. Have an earnest desire for spiritual gifts. Oh, Pastor Heath, you're getting Pentecostal now. Okay, well, it's all right. Look at this. He says, earnestly desire. While you're running after love, I want you to earnestly desire the greater gifts. Chapter 12, verse 31, he says, earnestly desire. Some of you guys got King James, it says to covet. It means to be jealous for. He says, I want you to chase after love as if you're going to try to capture it. And while you're doing that, I want you to earnestly desire to speak by the Spirit. I want you to earnestly desire to manifest God's spirit to those around you. I want you to be a Christian who is running after love. And as you're running after love, the the chase of love is causing an earnest desire to tell people about Jesus. There's this thing coming up within you. It's an earnest desire. It's a a jealousy, a craving, a possession. It means to set your heart on, to have a deep concern for, and even to be jealous about the gifts you don't have. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Heath, to be jealous? Isn't jealousy a bad word? Didn't he say just in the previous chapter, he says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is not jealous. Well, Paul, how do you, how do you have a verse that says love is not jealous, and then the next chapter, Paul, you tell me to be jealous over all kinds of spiritual gifts? You know, the Bible even says that God is a jealous God. But it also says God is love. How can you say love is not jealous, God is love, and to be jealous for spiritual gifts, all in the same thing? That doesn't make any sense. Well, you think about it this way. The Bible says that God is a jealous God, but you know what he's jealous for? He's jealous for his bride's affection. That's what it means in the context in Exodus. He says God's a jealous God. He has his people, his bride, his possession, his spouse, his his inheritance in the saints. That's us, his church, Israel and us. He says, I'm jealous for them with a jealousy of a husband that I want their affection. Why? Because he's do it. Husbands, if your wife starts talking to another person, aren't you going to make you jealous? Is that right? Yeah, you should be jealous. That's your your wife, man, because you're jealous for her. She's yours and you are hers. And it's okay to be jealous inside you. Of love because that thing is yours. God's jealous for you because you're His. He's jealous every time your affection is set on this world and not on Him, and He's jealous for that. He's jealous for your affection because it's His. And the, listen to me the only way you can be jealous for spiritual gifts is because they're already yours. You can't be jealous for something biblically you don't have see, when Jesus died on the cross, He gave you gifts... He gave you the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit is available. That if you go to a certain situation, God says, I can use you any way I want in that situation. I can use you in this way or that way with a prophecy or an encouragement or a word or a healing or a miracle. I can use you to tell this person about me and, and tell them things about that I know about them. And I want you to be jealous, covet those things, to desire earnestly those things that are gonna make for the building up of other people. I want you to be a Christian that hasn't boxed yourself in to denominational lines in this modern century that says God doesn't still use people or speak through people. I want you to pursue love and loving people so much that because you're pursuing love for that person that my gifts are flowing within you and you are jealous that God would speak through you. You can be jealous for spiritual gifts because they're yours. He says... 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But to each one is given a gift for the manifestation, the outward look, the outward expression of the Spirit for the common good. Each one, everybody say each one. Each person in the body of Christ can be jealous for God to use them. Don't you like to spend time with your spouse? Don't you like to spend time with your family when you're not with them? Aren't you jealous to get back with them and say, ah, I miss my kids? That's what he's saying. And how long has it been since God's used you to speak to somebody? It should bother you just like it bothers you when your family's not with you. That's what he's saying. And I wonder how many of us have that interpretation of being used by God. Does it bother me as I go through a month or a week or a year and I haven't had the unction of the Holy Spirit to speak to a coworker or a friend or a stranger? or even to be given a gift to use in our church gathering. And see, the New Testament church was a spirit-filled church. I'm going to give you a picture of what it looked like. You see, Paul, as he's riding and building this church up, here's what would happen. He says, we've all been given gifts and to exercise them accordingly in Romans 12. And Paul's goal was to build this church. And it would be this expression. It would look like this. The church would gather together, often on a Sunday night, by the way. They would gather together and one would come with a song, somebody else would sing. They'd come together, they'd sing hymns often from the Psalms. And as they sang, sometimes one would give a one or two would give a tongue. And then that tongue would be interpreted by another who had the gift of interpretation. And then somebody else might give a prophecy, an exhortation, and and then that would be uh, judged by the elders. And they would sing and they would pray, and then someone else would teach. And if unbelievers came in their midst, they would gather together and say, man, surely God is in this place. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit would be on them, and and God would move. And there wasn't maybe a structure like what we have today. Maybe it was just house churches of 20 people, much like a small group or Sunday school class today, and as they showed up, each person had a role to play. Someone was an encourager, someone was serving some food maybe to a soup kitchen during that week, somebody was there to teach and edify, somebody had a prophetic word, and somebody had a tongue, but everything was done in order, and in turn, and it was organized and orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. That's what the early church looked like. And we look and say, well, does the church look like that today today? Maybe we've programmed out and even forbidden some of these expressions. Some believers grow up in an interpretation that they have a problem with tongues, and I can totally understand it because it is weird. Let's be honest. It's weird. It doesn't make sense in our modern context. But you know, Paul, in the same chapter as he's saying, Pursue love, in chapter 14, he says, Do not forbid speaking in tongues. In fact, in verse 5, he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues why because he says it's edifying you and you're speaking mysteries to God it's building you up in your faith and he says this is not for this public craziness it's for a private prayer language it's something that you personally are speaking to God and you can go to another interpretations and denominations they and they're a little too far one way but he says don't forbid it but just know this is what you're speaking to God and in time that it's in the public view it should be interpreted for the benefit of us all just like we had today says, I wish you were jealous for these things. Do we come into church today just to get a quick word and sing a song and go home? Are we jealous for God to use us? Every one of us. Are we fine with maybe a nominal, boring, predictable church? Come on. He says, I want you to be Earnest, eager, jealous. And lastly, he says, I want you to seek to abound. Seek to abound. When he says that, he says this. He says, the word seek there means to desire, to attempt to find, and abound means to overflow. I want you to seek to be overflowing, to edify the church. Well, what's edify? It means to build up, to construct, to put your hands to and build it up. You see, Jesus says, I will build my church, but how does He build His church? Through a spirit filled people. He doesn't build it through professional pastors and paid musicians. He doesn't build it through programs and curriculum and and printable invitations. He doesn't build it through lights and media. He doesn't even build it through Facebook church. He builds it through a people that says, Speak, Holy Spirit, I'm listening. As I go out of my workplace, Speak, Holy Spirit. I'm listening. I want to build up your church. Why? Because I'm pursuing love. I love the lost, God. I love you. I love your church. And so I want to speak. Speak, Holy Spirit. I'm listening. Give me a word to encourage my boss. Give me a word to challenge and exhort that wayward teenager. Give me the right word to get through that tough skin. Give me the right word, God, to, to speak to that person who is hurting and broken and lost. Let me speak to a person who just lost a love. one. let me speak to that person who's doubting or suicidal or depressed. Give me something because, Lord, I've pursued love. And, Lord, I want the words to, like, I'm trying to just get the words in at the right moment that's bubbling out. And so, Lord, I'm seeking to abound. I'm earnestly desiring. I'm coveting. I'm jealous, Lord, to have a word for this generation. That's the church God was building. And I hope today that we are the same people he says, I want you to speak in tongues, but greater is to prophesy. Prophecy is the forth telling of the word of God. It's not this weird end of times thing where you're saying end is near. Could be. But more than likely, it's coming up to a guy and say, hey man, I really, I really sense God wants to do something today. God just told me to come over here. You don't know me from Adam. But man, I just want to encourage you. Jesus loves you. And maybe God gives you a specific word for someone. I, uh, one of the first times God used me in that way uh, I've told this before, but I was I preached a little message to a college group of kids uh, on a camp and a retreat. I, I was really new at this thing. And I go over to a to a young man after I had preached. I go over to this young man and and I begin to pray for him. And as I begin to pray, God's spirit just came over me. And I began to pray all kinds of things about his dad, his relationship with his dad, what he thought about his dad, what his dad and him has gone through. And I just began to encourage him that God was his father. And at the end of the, I had no clue. I I don't know where that came from. It just came out of me. And at the end of the service, he said, how did you know that's what I was praying for? And I said, I didn't. God just impressed upon me to pray over you. You see, this is why this matters. Let me close with this. Jesus said in John 16 that when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into truth. He'll not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He'll glorify me, and he'll take of mine and disclose it to you. God wants you to live in such abundance because Jesus died to speak to this world. You see, Jesus pursued love To such a degree, love for God and love for a lost humanity. And he says, there's no greater demonstration of love that a man laid on his life for his friends. And Jesus pursued love to such a degree that he left heaven above and came down and he was willing to die to prove that love. And what did he do until that day that he died? And what did he speak by his death? That God so loves you. God was dying to speak to you. See, man had long since rejected God, and God was dying to get down to earth to talk to you. And don't tell me that God's not dying today to speak to your coworkers, to your family, to your friends. And if you love Jesus to such a degree like Jesus loves you, then you'll be dying to tell them the same. Listen to me. God still wants to speak to a lost and dying world. He spoke it greatly when his son came and died on that cross, and he was speaking to a lost and dying world that there was a way to be saved. And then he empowered his church. He said, church, I want you to go and tell the gospel, to tell this message to every generation, to every nation, every tribe and tongue, that I'm still speaking, I'm still calling people back to me. Spiritual gifts are not to build you up and make you sound all awesome and Pentecostal and spirit-filled, prophetic preacher man, those things are for the lost to say God loves you, for the downtrodden to lift them up, for those who need encouragement to encourage them, those who are going wayward to bring them back because God is still speaking. He's still speaking. And he's looking for ambassadors who are gonna say, Lord, I don't wanna be set into this little denominational, little, little rut Little modern Christianity, fit my God into a box, into my rhythm, and my own life, it's all about me. He wants to find a people that say, Jesus is coming, the Holy Spirit is still moving, God is still speaking, he is drawing men to himself, and he's looking for people who will be like Samuel and say, speak, Lord, your servant is still listening. And if you want to call me Pentecostal for believing that, you can do that. You want to call me charismatic, you can do that. I'm going to call it biblical. It's real Christianity. God still uses people. God still speaks through people. There's no one place in this scripture that said all these things died with the apostles. And it's not a Pentecostal thing. It's not a Baptist thing. It's not a charismatic thing. It's a Jesus thing. That Jesus wants people to be filled zealously, Jealously Enthusiastically Ardently With the Holy Spirit That when they go to Walmart The Spirit is ready to speak When you go to your family uh, meetings The Spirit is ready to speak When you gather in an assembly like this In a church service like this That you come with such a pursuit of love on your life The Spirit begins to say Man I, I, I love people too And I've got a word for that person I've got an encouraging thought for that person or a warm handshake or a hug or how hey, about you go serve that person? How about you go teach that class? How about you go sing that song? How about you go open that door? How about you go make that coffee? How about you go give a, a, an encouragement to that person who you don't even know what kind of week they have, but God just told you to go talk to that person in the lobby after church to say, man, I don't know what you're going through but God has told me to tell you. It's gonna be a Whatever. But you have to say, Lord, I'm dying to speak. Speak, Spirit. I'm listening. What are you dying to speak? What are you overflowing in abundance with? What are you jealous towards? Is it that God would have spiritual gifts in your life, that you would desire earnestly spiritual gifts, not because you want to check them off on some list, not because you want to look all important, but because... You know, God loves people that much. And He's still trying to get through all this junk in this world just to talk to somebody. That's what this is all about. We don't believe in these things just because we want to fit into denomination or we want to fit into some belief or theology. It's because God loves people. God cares about little things. He cares about what your week was like, He cares where your faith is at, He cares what you're going through. And he's looking for a people that says, speak, Spirit. I'm listening. Would you stand with me all across the room? And worship team, would you come? What are you overflowing and jealous towards? Be honest with yourself and let's just take a moment. Have we gone through our whole lives? We're going through this Christian life and we've set our sights on just our own self. Maybe you grew up in a denomination that kind of didn't emphasize those things, and this is all new to you. I'm going to encourage you to read the Bible. Read all these books. Read every verse. See if you find something in there that says that God doesn't still want to do this. I don't care whether you speak in tongues ever. It's not really about tongues. It's about a lost and dying world who's headed to a devil's hell. It's about a people who are totally surrendered to the Lord to be ambassadors for Christ. It's about a people who love one another every time they gather. They just want God to show up. And they're not set into a tradition of what kind of song choice or what kind of the pastor wears or what kind of church name is on the outside. They just say, we just want Jesus to be glorified. We think God's pretty awesome. We like it when he shows up. I love to be used by God. I love it when God uses me because I love people I love God why not why settle for something less why settle for something that only man can do why settle for a church that man can do backwards and forwards and change it and paint the colors and do different chairs that's all man stuff that's denominational stuff that's religion I want a church that is filled and moved by the power of the Holy Spirit I want to be a Christian who God can move through and still shake the world, still turn history on its head. Because we say, Lord, we're surrendered to an awesome creating God who still breathes life into dead bones, who still resurrects dead sleepy saints, who still brings the wayward back home. Because we love God and we love people. And that's our motivation not to speak in tongues. Devil can speak in tongues. We want to speak God's words to a lost and dying generation because God loves them. Would you pray with me, Lord? All across this room, Father, I pray that we get out of our little traditions, out of man-made religion. And we have a pursuit of love, that you had a pursuit for us, that Jesus, you are dying to speak words of life into us. May we be dying to tell. Lord, the glory of our God, the good news of the gospel of salvation, may we look for wayward hearts, may we look for the downcast, the hurting and the broken, though that you want to speak something to somebody, you still are looking for uh, people who would be surrendered and say, spirit, speak, I'm listening, what do you want to say to my coworkers and friends? Lord, we're here opening our hearts up this morning we're saying lord if you can use anything you can use me lord i'm jealous to be used by you i'm earnestly desiring to be used by you lord open my mouth let it be bubbling from the inside out god so full of love for people lord forgive us for being self-centered forgive us for having putting a limit on what you can do oh god we are asking for more of your holy spirit more of your power more of your love did you move?